This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Well, thank you for your giving. God thanks you for your giving as well. You know, we uh, our giving supports so many things. You know, our area food bank, uh, we support uh, missionaries all around the world that are doing great things for God, planting churches, seeing people movements going on. So I want to uh, say thank you so much for your giving and what you're doing. You know, talking about taking off the limits, you know, we're, this is a year, and I wanted to start off with this series about pressing forward. God just put it on my heart that this is a year of breakthrough for us. And I know, you know, we use these terms and they can be very worn out, dog-eared terms. I understand that. But we want to take the limits off. I think that God wants to do more individually and corporately in our lives. I believe that. When I look at the pages of that book, the Bible, and I see, I read the book of Acts, I read uh, the revelation that God gave Paul and Peter and the apostles in the writings of the Scriptures. And I think, boy, I tell you, you know, as good as it's been, as good as it's been up to now, God's, God's bigger than what we've seen. God wants to do more than what we've seen so far. <clears throat> and I don't believe it's a problem with God, do you? <laughs> you know, it's, it's us taking the limits off. And part of that has to do with pressing forward. I want to read you from uh, Philippians 3, a familiar portion of Scripture, 3, 13 and 14, but I want to read it from, the, from a different translation here, the Passion Translation. It says, Paul is speaking. He's just got through reiterating all the things about his life, about his accomplishments, about, uh, you know, his reputation and all these things as a Pharisee and, and how he was perfect concerning touching the law and, and all of the things that he had going for him. And he said... He said, but none of that matters anymore because he said, I've got one focus. And here in verse 13, he says, I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. Here's the thing, church. I know that we all have things that we have to do. We make a living. We take care of kids and grandkids and all of that. But he said, we need to have one compelling focus. And if I could do anything to stir you up and encourage you this first week of the new year is to get one compelling focus. I forget all of the past. 2019, if it's like most of us, 2019 was probably a blend of some good things and some other things. Isn't that right? Some victories and some other things. But he said, said, forget. See, you can't. If you're holding on to the past, you can't focus. You can't have one compelling focus. He said, I forget all of the past as I fasten, listen to this, I fasten my heart to the future instead. Where is your hope? Where is your future? What is the thing that, that, that when you, you're alone and by yourself, what is that thing that's percolating up inside of you? What's that one compelling focus? For some people, it's a hurt. For some people, it's a disappointment, it's a discouragement that happened in 2019 or maybe even further back. That's why he says you've got to have one compelling focus. And the only way to do that is first to let go of what has happened in the past. Whether, listen, the next, that's true whether it's good or whether it's bad. If you talk to people who've reached a, a certain uh, level and standard of excellence, wh- whether it's in the business world or the sports world or the literary world or even, even in ministry or whatever it might be, they will tell you that one of the most challenging things is, is to not get satisfied with that victory, with that level that they have reached. Isn't that true? And so he said we have to let our heart grab hold of it. This morning, I want to ask you, what's your heart grabbing hold of? He said, I run straight for the divine invitation. Wow. Of reaching the heavenly goal. What's the heavenly goal? What's, what are you running toward? Mm. 
and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. You know, I was thinking about this analogy, and it's true. You know, maybe some of you, perhaps some of you have run a long-distance race like a marathon or a half marathon. But, you know, the, the people who run those long-distance races like that, they talk about, you know, among other challenges of, of running a long-distance race like that, is that it, you reach a point in running where runners call it hitting the wall. It's where that you just feel like you can't go any further. That your, your energy is, is depleted. You, you're hard to catch your breath and you feel like you, can't, you just can't put another foot in front of you. But they also say that if you will make the decision to just at that point press through a little more, there's something unique about the, the physiology of the human body and, and the, the psyche of man that all of a sudden something that they call getting your second win. Uh, you know, your body releases endorphins and, and all of a sudden there's something that's released in you and all of a sudden you feel like, man, I'm ready to finish the race. I've got energy, I've got strength, and I can move forward. Well, I think that analogy also is true as we run our race, spiritually speaking. We run our race, and, and the Bible says we're all running a race, aren't we? Each one of us is running a race concerning the, the plan and the purpose of God that He's given us. We're running this race together, but yet there's an aspect where each of us individually are running that race. And there are times when you can feel like, man, I've hit the wall. Now, none of you have ever been there, I understand. But I've been there where I felt like I, I hit the wall. I felt like... Man, I feel like, you know, I just didn't have the passion I once had. I, I, you know, I just didn't have the desire. I didn't have that drive. I, I got up, man, I, and somebody said, pray. And I said, do what? What's prayer? You say, no, not you, pastor. Yeah, me, pastor. Because the last time I looked, I was a human being too. But I have learned, you know, some things in my life through the, the, these many years of running my race, as I'm sure you have. And one of those, as I found out, is we have to press through. We have to press through and run our race. I want to read you from Hebrews 12. If you want to turn over there, you can. I'm going to read you from uh, the New Living Translation of this, Hebrews 12, beginning with verse 1. Paul, Paul, the apostle, writing here, says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses. Now, you know he's referring back to Hebrews 11. And Hebrews 11 is that great, we call it the hall of fame of faith sometimes. You know, those great people, you know, beginning with, with Enoch and Abraham and Moses and, and Joshua and all the great heroes of, and heroines of faith, you know, and how they ran their race and how they were faced with limits and, and faced with challenges in their day. But yet they press through by faith. And he said, since we have, surrounded by this great crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. I'm going to tell you, if you get your eyes on yourself, it's the best way I know how to stop running the race. Oh, boy. You ever had those times when, you know, you start getting your eyes on yourself? You know, I've said this before. I mean, you ever just take about two minutes to just stare at yourself in the mirror? <laughs> Speaking for myself, that's not as pleasant as it used to be. I have a lot less to look at in some respects and a lot more to look at in others. But if you stare at your face long enough, you'll see all the imperfections. You'll see, uh, you know, maybe, maybe one ear looks a little lower than the other. Or maybe, you're, if you're like me, my nose is a little crooked. Or you've got a little less hair than you had last year. Or whatever it might be. You know? And that's what happens. If we're running this race, the enemy constantly wants us to focus on ourselves rather than on Jesus. He says, look at you. Look what you did do. Look what you didn't do. Look what you can't do. Look how you messed that up. You think, you know. But he says here, the only way we can run this race is keeping our eyes on Jesus. He says, I have one focus. Where is your focus? 
Get your focus on Jesus. See, some people focus on other Christians. And they look at them. See, uh, you know, they look at their mistakes. They look at their failures. Or they look at the, the pastor. And they say, well, you know, our pastor's not this. Or he ought to be that. He ought to be the other. But that's not what he said to do. He said, we are to focus on Jesus as we run this race. Because if you don't, you're going to get tripped up. He says, the champion who initiate, boy, he's a champion. Boy, I'm telling you, if I want to learn from anybody, I want to learn from the champ, don't you? <laughs> Amen. From the champion. He said, who, who initiates and perfects our faith. Part of this running of our race, that's how God perfects our faith. And if we stop running our race, the implication is here that, that our faith can't be perfected. He says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. We, there are things that you're going to have to endure in 2020. I'm, you know, I'm not going to paint you a bed of roses. Listen, you can have the victory. We can have the victory. We can have the grace of God, the peace of God, the joy of God, even in the midst of the difficulties that we face. But I'm not going to paint you some, some uh, you know, uh, rosy picture that you're not going to have any challenges in 2020. Of course you are. But I'm, I want to encourage you that here's how we overcome. Here's how we don't allow them to uh, set the limits on us, on our faith and on our race. Says he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he's seated at the place of honor beside God. I want to talk to you this morning. Just some things I want to share with you. And we're going to do. We're going to be covering this series all month, so we're going to be unpacking this more. But. I want to share with you this morning about, you know, hitting the wall. Have you hit the wall? Look in 1 Corinthians, if you have your Bible there. I'm going to read it to you if you don't, but if you'd care to follow along. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You know, in Paul's day, they, they, uh, the Olympics were going on. And he makes reference from time to time about those, when he says the games, he's talking about, of course, the Olympic games that were taking place in his day. And in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, he said, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? So, listen, runners run. I, I know you think, boy, that Pastor, this is, you're being so simple. I remember the great coach, Vince Lombardi, he was a great coach of the Green Bay Packers back in the 60s, you know, when they were winning championships and everything. And every year... They say he started out, I mean, he had, they just won the Super Bowl three years in a row. They had all these all-pro, uh, some of the greatest athletes of the day on his team. And he would always stand up in front of them, hold up a football, and he'd say, Gentlemen, this is a football. Sometimes we just need re reminding. We're looking for something deep when we just need to be reminded about the things we need to do. Runners run. They don't sit. He said, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Don't run to lose. <laughs> Amen. Run. Everyone who competes in the games, he's referring, of course, to the Olympics, goes into strict training. Listen, if you're going to run your race, it's going to take some discipline. I, forgive me, but that's just how it is. I know that's not maybe a popular term nowadays, but it takes some discipline. You want to run a race, run a good race. You want to run a race where you win and get the prize. It's going to take some discipline. You know, I've, I've shared this with this uh, with you before. You know, at 66, I can't just show up at the Olympic headquarters and say, you know what, uh, uh, sign me up for the marathon. I just feel like I could take it. They're going to do just what you just did. And probably louder. They just laugh me out the door. That's, you can't qualify that way. Isn't that right? I mean, these, these people who are Olympic athletes, they have to qualify. And it takes discipline for them to qualify, doesn't it? And that's what he's telling us here. If we want to run our race, if we want to see some of the limits taken off of us, in our walk with God and, and fulfilling God's plan and purpose for us individually and corporately, then it's, you know, we're going to have to discipline ourselves. 
Discipline means this, that I say yes to some things and no to others. How many of you know you can't say yes to everything? You just can't. And the problem where we get ourselves in trouble is, is by saying yes to the wrong things and no to the right things. Isn't that true? You know that's true if you're a business person, you're a professional person, or you're a person of faith. You know that's true, isn't it? You just keep saying yes to the wrong things. and say, I mean, you, it might not happen today. Might not. You know your business may still look just as healthy as it ever did. Everything may still look good. But you just keep doing that and see what happens. Well, the same thing's true spiritually. He said they go into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. It won't last. I mean, I, we congratulate you on building that business. But you know what? One day you're going to go on to be with the Lord. And somebody else is going to either have that business or it's, just, it's going to disappear, isn't it? He said, <clears throat> but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. Could you imagine the gun going off at the Olympics, you know, for the 100-meter dash? And six ran this way and six run that way. Boy, you'd be thinking, what in the, what's going on? Now, he said, we don't run aimlessly. But if you don't discipline self, that's exactly what happens. You can expend a lot of energy in the Christian life and yet still feel like you've made no progress. But that's because what? You have to focus. You have to discipline yourself. Don't worry. We're going to unpack this as we go along this month. He said, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. He said, I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. Amen. No, I strike a blow to my body. Uh Uh-oh. And make it my slave. So that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So hitting the wall. What does it mean to hit the wall? It's, it's It's that sense where you feel like, man, I'm not... You know, I've lost my passion. I've lost my drive. I hear, I hear what you're reading there about Paul, but boy, I tell you what, that's not the way I'm running my race, Pastor. I don't feel like I have any energy to discipline myself. I feel like, you know, that my opponent has landed more blows on me than I've landed on him. Hey, I've been there. I, I just feel like I, I just have no more energy. I've just, I feel like I've, I've lost my vision. I, I, well, you're in the right place. This is where you need to be. To hear this message. You feel like you've hit the wall spiritually. And there are two things that happen when we've, or or have happened to us when we feel like we've hit that wall. And in Hebrews 12, he said there's two things. Weights that slow us down and sins that trip us up. Weights that slow us down. Weights that slow us down. You know, Jesus called some of those weights the cares of this world. We're overly anxious about the natural things in life. See, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't care about the natural things. We have to take care of the natural things. We understand that. But when we become overly anxious, overly concerned, when fear begins to grip us, then, you know, it slows us down. We, we don't take risk anymore. You know, I, I remember, you know, uh, when I first got saved, man, I'm telling you, do you, can anybody, can you remember when you first got saved? Oh my gosh, like we said, man, I was ready to charge hell with a thimble of water. Man, bring it on. Hey, man, you remember, you remember how you, how you were, man, you, you were willing to take risk? Man, I, man, uh, somebody says there's an opportunity in Bolivia. I said, I never heard, I, well, I might have heard of Bolivia, but I had no idea where it was. I said, count me in. So I'd get on a plane, I'm going to Bolivia. I got rid of my house, my car, sold everything I had. I said, man, let's go to Bolivia. I got to Bolivia, and I thought, what am I doing here? <laughs> but I mean, you know, but, but, but we were risk takers in those days. We were willing to, to, to step out and believe that God could do something in my life or through my life, that God was a God of, of the supernatural, that he was, he was a God that really wanted to do something. He wasn't just a, a God of ancient history, but He was a God of the present that wanted to do something in my life. 
And I want to, in this series, I want to help by the Holy Spirit to stir up and revive that risk-taking faith that God's put in you. That passion, that dream that God put into you when you were saved. Come on. Sometimes there's weights that just slow us down. And we have to put them off. You know, there, there are different things that can just, you know, uh, begin to eat up our time that we once used that time to be in the presence of God. You know, FaceTime, I call it. You know, we got a Facebook, but before there was ever a Facebook, there was the Facebook. We need more FaceTime on this book than the other book. Now, I'm not, don't worry, I'm, I'm not a Luddite. I'm not against Facebook and technology. But I want to tell you what, we need to put it in its place, don't we? It's a tool just like anything else. I remember, you know, giving, we're going to really give away my age now. But I remember, you know, well, you know, you know, when TV was the big thing. And it would, you know, and, and you know, there's nothing evil about TV, but people let it steal, it, steal their time. You know, nothing evil about the Internet. Now, there's a lot of evil on the Internet. So you definitely need to be discerning about that. But the technology itself is not evil. It's just a tool. But here's the thing. You know, I'm not going to let the tool, uh, you know, determine how I'm going to run my race. So all kind of things that can become weights. Notice he said sins and weights. Sometimes, see, weights are not necessarily sins, but they still hold you back from running your race. They can eat up your time. They can eat up your relationship with God. They can weaken you. They can cause you to become more fearful, to, to stop taking risks. You can lose sight of what really is the most important thing, you know. We want to make sure that the thing is the thing. You know, I was, I was praying this morning. I was just reminded about as I was praying about, you know, one time when Jesus went to visit um, Martha and Mary. Remember that? You know, and I was looking at that, and of course, you know the story, how that, you know, Martha was very busy, you know, because Jesus, and, you know, when Jesus came, it wasn't just Jesus. I mean, there was going to be a bunch of other mouths to feed, too. Wasn't that right? So she's back there cooking and doing a good thing, because they needed to eat. That was a good thing. She, was, she wanted to feed Jesus. She wanted to show, you know, Jesus that, that, you know, she was glad that he was in her home, and so that was a good thing. But Mary... She was sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to what he had to say. And you know, there's a, I think in all of us, probably there's, there's a little bit of Mary and there's a little bit of Martha in us, isn't there? And some of us might have a little more propensity for the Martha side than the Mary side. You know, you can even get so busy doing stuff for Jesus that you don't have time for Jesus. I'll let that sink in a minute because that almost sounds contrary. But see, that, see, those things that you're doing for him, sometimes that can become a weight. Remember, she came, she said, Jesus, I'm doing all this by myself. Tell Mary to get in here in the kitchen and help me. And he said, Martha, he said, you're troubled about a good many things. You know, really that translation is like, Martha, you're, you're troubled, but about things that are secondary. Sometimes secondary things become primary in our life. Uh, you know, our career, our, our, our education, our, you know, our, our finances, our retirement. All those things are important. Don't misunderstand me. They're, but they're not, they shouldn't be number one. That, that Martha can take the place of Mary and we lose out in the end. We're talking about weights that can slow us down. Sins that trip us up. There's sins that trip us up. You know, weights that slow us down. One of the things that, about that, too, is time and familiarity can become a weight. Time. As time goes by, you know, uh, man, I'm, for me, this is, uh, how long is it? i got to calculate here. For, for me, it's 43 years. So for 43 years, you know, you, know, you can do, uh, you know, a good bit of praying in 43 years, can't you? 
You can do a good bit of Bible study in 43 years, a good deal of witnessing in 43 years, a good deal of teaching and preaching and, and, and writing and so forth. You know, all those things are good. Uh, for, and for you, years of, of serving in children's church or, 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 or helping the youth or whatever it is that, that we do, and, the, and time and familiarity can become a weight on us. And all of a sudden, what used to give us great joy in serving, now it's just we're weary. Remember what he said over there in Galatians 6? You don't have to turn over there, but if you want to, you can write that reference down. He said, don't let us be weary. He said, don't be weary in well-doing. Don't be weary. In well-doing. See, sometimes that weariness, that time and familiarity with the, with the things of God, you know, they, they become a weariness, and it becomes a weight. Amen. See, tomorrow night we're going to have prayer. Man, how many times have we prayed? Could, probably couldn't possibly count them, could you? And see, it, it, because that's familiar, because we, we've done that, because, you know, it can become a weight and we just say, you know, I, I, I ain't going to drive to the church to do that. I've got other things to do. It becomes a weight. Well, you know, weights that slow us down, weariness in Galatians 6, 9. He said, that's why we, when he said, don't forsake meeting together, because what? He said, when we meet together, we're encouraging and exhorting one another. See, I'm encouraging you, but I'm encouraging me too. And that's what we need to do. Not just wait for your pastor to encourage you. You need to be encouraging one another. And we're going to continue to pray. We're going to continue to use our faith. We're going to continue to take risks. We're going to continue to stretch ourselves further than we have in 2019. I challenge you this year to look at some area in your life where, whether it's circumstances, whether it's fear, whether it's the enemy, whatever it is, that has set a limit on you. And this year, with God's help, you determine you're going to take that limit off. That means that you might have to do something different. You might have to change your thinking. You might have to change some of your actions. You might have to get more disciplined in an area. You might need to get more information and wisdom in an area. But determine this year that you're going to, uh, you, there, there's a limit, at least in one area of your life, that you're going to take it off. You're going to overcome the weariness that has set in in your life in that area. You're going to overtake the you can't and you want. Thank you for those two amens. In Proverbs 29, turn over there. We're talking about weights that slow us down. Time and familiarity can cause a weariness to us. Proverbs 29, another thing is loss of vision or purpose can cause you to hit the wall, spiritually speaking. And it can become a weight that slows us down. Because listen, if you're, you're running the race, how would you like to run a race that had no finish line? I mean, you know, we got a starting line. Isn't that a nice starting line? But there is no finish line. And see, when we lose sight of purpose, we lose sight of the finish line. And you, you know, and you think, how long is this race going to be? I mean, where's the finish line? Oh, well, there is no finish line. You, you know, you just drop in your tracks. That's the finish line. You know, when we lose sight of our vision, we lose sight of our purpose, we lose sight of the finish line. There is a finish line. Paul said, he said, I finished my course. Glory be to God. There's a finish line for us in this life. There's a finish line. And I want to cross. I don't want to die in in the middle of my race. I want to cross the finish line. How about you? But one of the ways, see, and the weights are, you know, why why the weights come on us is to keep us from finishing our race because it slows us down if we're slow if we we get too slow we don't finish our race proverbs 29 verse 18 it says where there is no vision one translation reads revelation people cast off restraint or where there is no vision the people perish you, you can't run this race without a focus on the finish line. 
Uh, even if it's a marathon, they know there's a finish line somewhere. There's demarcations along the way that let them know that they're making progress, but there is a finish line. I want to encourage you, listen, if you've grown weary because maybe you've lost sight of what the purpose is in this race, why am I even running? Why am I coming to church on Sunday mornings? I don't know. I don't know. We just do it. I sure am tired of it, though. Man, I wish the pastor would get some better messages. I wish this worship team would, you know, do something better so I could feel something. I'm going to tell you what. Jesus could appear on the stage for some people. And the state they're in spiritually, it wouldn't help you. You laugh about that, but there was a whole bunch of religious people in Jesus' day. Saw the miracles he did, heard everything he did. Didn't change them one bit. You know, I, ca- I call them concrete Christians, you know. They're thoroughly mixed up and well set. They're not changing. So, but loss of vision, we, what, what's your purpose for 2020? What is, what is it something God has said to you? You say, well, I don't know that God said anything to me. Well, I know where you need to start. You need some more face time. You God in a room alone with this book. God will say something to you. God will speak something to you about your family, about your race, about your part. If you're part of Passion Church, about your part in Passion Church or, or if you're visiting whatever your church is. But He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. You're not just, He's just not one you run aimlessly. You know, I see Christians, you know, they're, they're this church, you know, for a little while, and then they're over here at this church, and then they're over here at that church, and then they're over here at this church. You know what they're doing? They're running aimlessly. There's nothing wrong with visiting at times, but if that's your pattern, that you're just, you know, you're, you know you've heard of charismatics. Well, there's cruisomatics. You know, and they hear about something happening over here, and they run over there, and they hear about something happening over here, and they run over there, and they're here and there and everywhere. You know, I know clearly, you don't, you don't understand what your purpose is. Because your purpose is going to connect you somewhere with a body, a group of believers that's a part of the body of Christ. It's going to connect you somewhere. Somewhere, something's going to resonate in you and say, this is it. And it might not be the biggest church. It might not be the best church. It might not be the greatest orator behind the pulpit. That has nothing to do with it. Where is my purpose? That's where I'm going to connect. Maybe your purpose is to help the orator behind the pulpit get better or to help that church get bigger or whatever it might be. You ever thought about that? You know, not every church is a turnkey situation. <laughs> Amen, brother. I mean, you know, it's, it's nice. I remember when, when Cindy and I, we, we, we moved back here uh, about five years ago and we, we built a house and it was brand new. First time we'd ever done that. Sure was nice just coming in the door. Everything is just right. Even, well, you know, even then you have to some tweaking. But, you know, it was a turnkey situation. But listen, we've had houses and places that weren't turnkey. You know, you've you seen that, uh, that program on TV, I think they call it, uh, Fixer Uppers. Well, you know what? That's what most churches are, Fixer Uppers. You know why? Because we're Fixer Uppers. God's still working on us, isn't he? But see, if you lose sight of that, you know, and you're just going through the motions and coming on Sunday and, you know. You know, I, I've given you before the, you know, this, this analogy. I changed it a little bit. You remember when, uh, on one occasion when Jesus was feeding the, the 5,000, remember that? And he had them uh, sit in groups of 50 and 100. Recall that, that story in the life of Jesus? And, you know, and he, had it, he prayed over the food. You know, he multiplied the loaves and the fishes, and he gave them to his disciples and said, pass them out. So could you imagine if, if, if here's, the, here's the apostles, you know, they go out and they pass, you know, loaves and fish down this row and the loaves and fish down that row, and they do that for that first group of 50. And then instead of going on, they come back again to that first row and start passing out loaves and fishes. And they go to the end, and then they come back again the third time. Well, about the third time, people's attitudes will be different. That first time, they're so hungry that they didn't even notice how Peter smelled. They didn't look at what John was wearing. I mean, they were just, give me some of that food. 
But by the second time and by the third time and, you know, and by the fourth time, meanwhile, all those other poor people are screaming out, hey, we're starving back here. People up here are complaining about the food they're getting or about how they're being served or how the people are dressed. See, once we lose sight of our purpose, all of a sudden we start to see imperfections. And we start focusing on that instead of Jesus. And then one more way is persistent adverse circumstances. Proverbs, you're right there in Proverbs, turn to 24. You ever had some circumstances? You know, we've all faced uh, tests and trials in life, amen? The Bible tells us you're going to have tests and trials in this life. That's absolute fact. No news there. And you know, Cindy and I have had our share of them as well. And there have been, you know, some circumstances that came and, and you know, and that this is the way we approach it. When something adverse comes to me, the first thing I want to know is, what did God say in the book about it? What does the Bible say? What does the Word say? I'm going to find something. I'm going to get the wisdom of God. I'm, that's my starting place. See, some people, that's their last resort. For me, it's my first resort. So I'm going to go there, and I do that. But I've had, found out when I do that, and, and if it's a matter, we pray, and we, 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 we speak God's Word, and we, we speak to the mountain. We do those things that, that Jesus taught us to do. And I've seen sometimes where almost overnight, it's like, boom. But then I've seen sometimes where it's weeks, it's been months, and on some occasions, years. You say, why is that? I don't know. When you find out, tell me. Twenty-four, ten. Listen to this. It says, if you falter in a time of trouble, how small is your strength? You know, one thing about tests and trials is, is that it has, if we approach it right. Now, if you, if you whine, if you complain, you know, if you get the poor is me, poor old me, you get the feel sorries for me, that, this, this won't help you a bit. But if you approach it, in trust and in faith and in the wisdom of God and in prayer, it says you will get stronger. Your faith will get stronger. Amen? Your hope will get stronger. Your confidence in God will get stronger. Amen? I mean, people don't go, go for a vacation, you know, you know, to get their body built up. They go to the gym. Isn't that right? A lot of people, you know, they got saved. They've been on Christian vacation. They've been on a Christian cruise for 20 years. You know, it, it, takes, it takes some exertion. And that's part of the thing. And so when adverse circumstances come, that can become either something that makes us stronger or it can become a weight that slows us down. I've seen it happen on both. I've seen people go through similar tests and trials facing, uh, you know, similar tests and trials facing people's circumstances. One gets stronger and gets a victory. The other one's defeated and they stay right where they are. They don't, grow, they don't grow stronger in their faith. They don't grow stronger in their love for God. They don't grow, grow stronger in their confidence, in their hope, in their patience, in their endurance. And every time you see them, you know, they got a whine. You know what that whine is? That's smoke from the fire. That whine is smoke from the fire. Listen, I'm not, I'm not judging anybody. I've had my share of smoke in the house. But I want to tell you what, I'm, I'm determined that, you know, I'm going to do better. I'm going to be stronger because, you know, I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to trust in His Word. But it can become a weight that holds us back. And then, these are not all of them, but some sins that can trip us up. Real quickly here. Compromise of truth we have embraced. In Matthew 15, 3, you don't have to turn over there, but he's talking to the Pharisees, and he said, he said, your traditions have made God's Word of none effect in your life. Now, it's interesting, that word, that word there, traditions. It means, that word translated traditions means to surrender. Wow. Betray or put in prison. So what are we portraying and putting in prison? The truth that can set us free. 
Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth, you'll continue in his word, the truth will set you free. But if we compromise, we put the truth in prison. We compromise. Where have we compromised? Uh, with our prayer life, with our faith life, with our, our purity life, with our financial life, whatever it might be, in our love life. Well, it's okay to hate that person because they really did me wrong. No, we've, listen, we can't let compromise come in because what it will do, Jesus said, it will put in prison the truth and make it of non-effect in your life. And see, if, if, if I'm in a position where I know the truth, but the truth hasn't set me free, then that's a good sign that I probably compromised. And I need to just own up. I'm not talking about you've got to tell me or anybody else, but I need to own up to myself and to God in my prayer closet and get that straightened out. It's real easy, you know, to judge ourselves by our intentions and everybody else by their actions. <laughs> A diminished love for God and others. If you read over there in the book of Revelation, especially in the first uh, two, three chapters, Jesus says this more than once to some of the churches there. He said, you need to return to your first Love. See, this goes back. Remember when, I remember when I got saved, man, I'm telling you what. I'd drive 50 miles to go to a Bible study. Work all day hard. Get home. Couldn't wait to get home. Man, if I had to eat on the run, I'd eat on the way there. Bless that brother's heart. I know he's got, I went to his Bible study. He's got, I mean, he was a working man too, man. He'd finally have to run us out of the house at, one o'clock in the morning. And now, you know, it's become hard to go to church. We've got a nice place, a nice facility, nice worship, nice everything, air conditioned, everything's just right, and we still can't come. Yeah. Oh, I can come to hear this. Yes, you do. <laughs> you know why? Because it will help you. See, all I'm doing is admonishing you. I'm not criticizing anybody. You know? But here's the thing. We need to look and say, have we, where's our first love for God? Is our first love, is it still there? Is it diminished? If it has, then something's taken its place. And whatever it is, you know what? I'm going to knock that thing back to its proper place. Amen? Back down to two, three, four, or wherever it might be. Just, just like Martha, it may not even be necessarily be a sin per se, but it's something that's taken a place. I want to get back to my first love. I want to get back to where, you know, whatever Jesus asked me to do, it's not too hard, it's not too much, it's not too big a cost. Boy, it's awful quiet in here. Diminished love for God. He said, return to your first love. Passion Church. Let's return to our first love in 2020. What, what is that? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. That's not complicated. Might not be easy, but it's not complicated. That's returning to our first love. Our love for Jesus. Our love for the hurting out there. The broken, the bound. The lost, suffering. And then he said, these sins which so easily beset us. That, that term be, translated besetting there means to attack on all sides. You ever felt like you're being attacked on all sides? Being attacked on all sides. But see, this is why the Bible talks about that we're in the fight of faith. And we're going to talk about, like I said, we're going to unpack this as we go through this series, talking more about how to overcome compromise, how to overcome our besetting sins. We're going to get the wisdom from the Scriptures, not my opinion, but the, the wisdom of God from the Scriptures about how we can do that, how we can run our race effectively in 2020, how we may need to change some of our thinking, change some of our focus. We have to, you know, you, you can't grow without changing. 
you know. And I don't want to just get older. I want to get better. <laughs> Amen. I don't want to just look back at the end of 2020 and say, well, I'm a year older. I, I, I will be, but I want to be wiser. I want to be more fruitful for God. I want to see a, a limit or two or three, maybe take it off in my life in some areas. I, I want to see this church grow. I want us to break through some barriers that are trying to hold us back corporately. I want to see you grow individually. You know, down here, and we haven't forgotten, we're going to pray. In this, in this tray down here is uh, the names of our family members and neighbors and friends and co-workers that we're believing for salvation. We're believing for household salvation. We're believing for those who are far from God to come and, and, and to receive the free gift of salvation. Amen. To have the power of the enemy broken off of their life. People who've been wounded at church and so that now they're away to see them come back to God. The prodigals coming home with our arms and Father's arms open wide. Letting them come on in. I don't care if they're not cleaned up fresh from the pig pen. Hallelujah. That's how I came in. Boy, God didn't get no, he didn't get no sweet smelling tulip when I came in. <laughs> he got a challenge. <laughs> but you know what? God's up for the challenge, isn't he? And that's what we want to tell people that are hopeless and helpless. God's up for the challenge. It's not about you changing yourself and freeing yourself. It's just about you opening up your heart and your life and saying, God, here I am with all my mess. God says, hot dog. I don't know if he says that, but probably not. But, you know, you get the meaning. But God loves a challenge. He does. Man, he excels at the down and outers and the up and outers and everybody in between. As we used to say, God's able to save from the uttermost to the guttermost. And everywhere in between. Let me give you some action points because I've got to close. My time's up. Let me ask you a question. Have you hit a wall in your Christian race? Listen, where the enemy really tries to keep us locked up it's when we just want to deny certain things. I haven't hit no wall. Well, I'll find out tomorrow, seven, tomorrow night at 7 p.m. We have prayer. Now, if you have to work, we understand. But, you know, be honest with yourself. You don't have to come tell me or anybody, but at least be honest with yourself and before God. Of course, God already knows, but you need to be honest with yourself. You don't make any progress unless you first admit, you know what, I've hit the wall in this area. It might be in, in your marriage relationships. It might be in your finances, but it might, wherever it might be, but somewhere you've hit a wall and you say, you know what, God, I've just hit a wall here. I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, I've made no progress here. As a matter of fact, you know, I've just given up on this area. I've just given up in this area. I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of on cruise control at 25 miles an hour. You know, I just, we, we went down to South Florida and back to visit our kids. And, of course, we've got a grandson down there. You know, and it's about a 10-hour drive. Boy, the traffic. I do not know the wisdom of grandparents at times, that we would go down there over the holidays. All people going to, for the holidays and all those football bowl games. Man, I'm telling you. We're, we're on the Florida Turnpike. You, I mean, a lot of people did. You could just turn your car off and get out and visit with people. <laughs> How's it going? Good. What were you down for? Oh, we went to the ball game. Oh, we were down seeing the grandkids. <laughs> I don't know why. But boy, we weren't making any progress. And I'm telling you what, that was not the fun part of the trip. And at other times we'd be stuck and we, you know, we creep up about two, three miles. You ever been in these? I know you probably have, haven't you? You, you creep up about two or three miles an hour and then you stop. And you know, you lean out a little bit, you know, far as you can see, there's traffic up here, far as you can see back, there's traffic back there. You know, five, six lanes out of it, you know. You know. Well, that, that's no fun way to make a trip that way. And you know, 
in our spiritual life, maybe, maybe there's an area or areas where you see that that's what it's been like. I'm, I mean, you know, I'm just out. You know, I could be out. You know, I could eat a sandwich. <laughs> I could have a picnic. You know, or I'm creeping up a little bit, but, you know, I'm not really making any progress. Be honest with yourself. Where have you hit the wall? Identify the weight or sin. It might not be a sin. It might just be a weight. You say, well, there's, you know, I've heard people say, well, I'll tell you what, Pastor, the Bible doesn't say anything. This is a sin. No, but it sure is tripping you up from running your race. I mean, some people, they want to see how close they can get to the edge. I'm at the Grand Canyon. I wonder if I, now I can get this much of my foot over there and not fall. Let's, try, let's go for a little bit. Hey, Mike, look at me. Look at me, man. Ah! <laughs> you fall. <laughs> We're not trying to see how close we can get to the edge. And then the Scripture says, that we're to cast it aside. And I'm going to share some things in this series from God's Word that can help you with that. That can help you cast it aside. Amen. But only you can make that decision. God will not and cannot make it for you. I can't make it for you. I can exhort you and encourage you. And I'm going to share some things that can be tools to help you. But unless you do it, you know what? The limitation that you, you, you had in 2019, it'll be right there in 2020. For us corporately, it's the same thing, church. We will have to change some of our mindsets. We're going to have to say, you know what? It's not about us anymore. It's not about my comfort. It's not about my convenience. It's not about my preferences. It's not about what we like because we are paying the bills. Boy, I'm getting down to it now. It's about what He wants and about what they need outside, outside these walls. That's got to be our focus. Pleasing Him and reaching them. Pleasing Him and reaching them. Pleasing Him and reaching them. Because if it's not about that, then you know what? We're just going to hit the wall where we're at. We're going to have a nice little group and a nice little church, and we'll all be comfortable. Yuck. Let's just, let's just call us a club, not a church. If that, I'm saying if that's what we're going to do. But you know what? As Paul said, I believe better things of that than you. I really do. I really do. Would you bow your heads just for a moment? Now, Father, I just pray over this message. Lord, and it has application to my life and I know to everyone here who is a believer. Father, I pray as we start out a brand new year and even a brand new decade, God, is vision 2020. Lord, may we, by the Holy Spirit, have 2020 vision as we look at ourselves, not to condemn ourselves, not to beat ourselves up, but Father, so that we can see where we need to change, change our mindset, change our believing, get rid of some things that have been holding us back, renew our purpose and our vision individually and corporately, Father. Help us to be sensitive and in tune with Your Spirit as we start out this year, O oh God. Lord, it's about You. Lord, we have an audience of one to please, and that's you. And we have a people to reach, and they are outside these walls. Father, where we need to change, where I need to change my mindset, where I need to change my actions, God, show me I am ready. I am ready. If you say, Pastor, that's me, I'm ready, would you just stand up on your feet? You just say, I'm ready, whatever God may show you. You might not have anything, but you just say, I'm ready, whatever it might be. You might not know what it is, but you say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Whatever God, whatever God speaks to me, whatever needs to change, if He says He wants this to change, if He wants whatever it is. Now, you're making this commitment not to me and not to anybody else. You're making it to God. 
You're making it to God. You understand that, don't you? You're making it to God. Don't make it lightly. Don't make it unadvisedly. But God's going to be your helper. He's not asking you by yourself that you're going to do it. But you are the decision maker for your life. And really, you're the decision makers for Passion Church. I can't lead you anywhere you don't want to go. So you ain't got to worry about, oh, is the pastor going to lead you? No, because I can't lead you anywhere you don't want to go. I can't. And I don't want to. But I, but I couldn't. Even if I wanted to, I couldn't. You are the decision maker for your household. Father, right now, you see every heart. The decision that they're making right now, Father, they're making it under God. They're making it to you. Father, I pray that you will strengthen every one of my brothers and sisters here that are making this decision. Strengthen them by the spirit of might and power in their innermost being. That, Father, that what you've begun in them, you also will finish. And, Lord, we are determined by your grace and help that we will take the limits off in 2020. 2020. Would you, while you're still standing there, stretch your hand up this way. We want to pray for all of these just before we're dismissed. As I said, these are our family members. These are our neighbors. These are our co-workers, our, our in-laws, our outlaws. People, we're praying and believing for their salvation. Father, right now, we hold these names up before you. Father, people made in your image, people that you know, people that your eyes upon right now, they're in your mind, they're in your heart, they're known by you. God, we break the power of the enemy over their lives. And in the name of Jesus, Father, we ask for their salvation. We ask for their deliverance. We ask for their being released from the bonds of wickedness. Oh God, Father, send laborers by their path. Open their hearts and minds to the love of God, to the gospel of God. Father, as you open the heart of Lydia to Paul's message, open their hearts and minds to the message of the gospel. Send laborers by. Use us, oh God. Devil, take your hands off of our family members. Take your hands off of our neighbors. Take your hands off of them. In the mighty name of Jesus, we declare whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Household salvation we claim in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Would you be seated just for a moment? I know it's 12.02, but you won't turn into a pumpkin. <laughs> Give me just a couple of more minutes. There's something here I, I, I'm going to ask you as your pastor to do. We're doing it in all the campuses uh, this week. Brother Mike Croslow, many of you might know him, or at least you know the name. He is a missionary that we supported and has been a, a friend of mine, Dr. Vickers, for 30-something for, for years, laboring there in Uganda, in Africa, and uh, he's got a family crisis with his mom here in ill health. Uh, he needs to come back uh, to take care of her. If nothing else, at least say goodbye, and then he's got to take care of all her situation, you know, her estate and all those details. If you've lost loved ones, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, so he needs to get back here uh, ASAP, right away. Is it Wednesday? Rosie's already gone. She's out at you. I think it's Wednesday when he wants to get back at the latest by Wednesday if he can. And, uh, but, you know, it costs money to come back. Now, Sin and I have been here before. 30 years ago this past November, we got the same kind of message with her dad. Her mom contacted us and said, if you want to see your dad alive, you better get home. And uh, I won't go into all the circumstances and all of that. That's water. It's a long time ago and everything. But, you know, we, we had no one to help us, so we had to put it on a credit card. And, man, it took us a long time to pay that thing off. It put a strain on us. And, I, you know, and I don't want that for Brother Mike. So all I'm asking is we're going to receive a special offering for him. Whatever you can do. We're not asking. Don't give your life money for your light bill, don't give you money for your groceries, we're not asking you for that, but if you can do something extra, that's all we're asking. Might be $5, might be $50. Some can do a little, some might can do a lot. So if, uh, you want to pass, we need to pass some envelopes out probably, brother, real quickly. All of this will be 
for, for Mike to get him home to his mom. I'm telling you what, if it was me, I sure would want somebody to help me. I've been there. I, I mean, I have been there on the mission field. I mean, you know. I mean, no missionaries are not rolling in money. <laughs> they live very frugally. And, and Brother Mike does as well. You know, and the Bible says if one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. Isn't that right? So again, we're not asking you, don't, don't, give, your, don't give your money for your groceries or your light bill. Everybody hearing me? But if you have some extra and you can help, whatever you can do. And then the other two campuses are doing the same thing. And we're appealing to, to others that know him. And every, every penny you give in this offering is going to go exactly for that. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's Word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.